1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: The Telegraph. The Telegraph.
0: Podcasts. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fashion Unzipped. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans-Eglinton, Senior Fashion Editor at The Telegraph. Brexit is inescapable, no matter how hard you try. You can't turn a corner without reading a headline, and if Theresa May's necklaces get any bigger, they're going to have to pop out a window to winch her out of number 10. This week, I'm joined by Camilla Tomney, The Telegraph's Associate Editor covering politics and royals, to lend a little bit of political clout to proceedings, and Frankie Gradden, fashion and beauty journalist, for the other stuff. <laughs> We're talking all things front bench fashion, from Theresa May's leopard print shoes, sorry, again, to the power of pink and Nancy Pelosi's sartorial mic drop. But first, let's get one thing out of the way. Camilla, is it reductive or even sexist to talk about what a female politician wears? Um, I don't think it is necessarily if the politician themselves
2: makes a point about their own style. So we've had a situation with Theresa May where it's getting a bit boring now, but this reference to leopard print heels and things has become a running theme. But that is largely because sometimes in an interview sense, it's difficult to find common ground with Theresa May. She doesn't do small talk very much. And therefore, I've personally been in situations at conferences where we've had drinks and things where suddenly as there's only a few women in the room anyway, because the lobby's full of men, that I found myself with the Prime Minister and Laura Koonsberg talking about clothes, <laughs> maybe just out of necessity to keep the conversation <laughs> yeah. going, but also because there's a common bond there. And I think there's no shame in women who are involved in covering politics um, being interested in what other women are wearing and how other women are styling themselves. I, I think we do need to get away from this whole idea that if you're a working woman, you don't have an interest in fashion or it's somehow uh, denigrating to discuss fashion. I love clothes. I mean, I don't know much about fashion. I, I like to look nice at work. I, I like to comment on other people who look nice and ask them where they buy things. Is there
0: anything wrong with this? Can we be serious women and discuss fashion? I think so. Well, it's something certainly Frankie and I as fashion journalists get all the time and you know should we dare to comment on Theresa May's shoes or Nancy Pelosi's coat or you know it's it's how dare you and how reductive and and you know you're distracting from the point but I think it's a really important tool fashion and actually I think it's naive or even arrogant not to use that tool if it's at your disposal Mm. and you can make a bigger impact or get a bigger headline or you know just draw more eyes towards your message. Frankie, what do you think?
1: There's a um, there's a stat somewhere that it takes a tenth of a second to make a first impression. And obviously when you're in the political arena, first impressions are really important. So before you've even opened your mouth, people are judging you and taking cues from you, you know, from, from what you're wearing. Um, so in that respect... fashion choices are an incredibly powerful tool we live in a very visual age um so what you're wearing you know that does make up that first impression and we know that fashion choices can say different things it can say you're likable it can say you're approachable look at Jeremy Corbyn you know his baker boy hats and his open collars that's a very deliberate choice that he's making. He's saying, you know, hey, I'm I'm, I'm laid back. I'm one of you. I'm one of the people. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a very useful tool in a politician's and men, arsenal. And men do do it too, of course. Yes, I mean,
0: course. there's a reason why Donald Trump will say to photographers, you know, make me look nice and handsome and thin. <laughs> and there's a reason why he faked hands himself and, you know, hides his receding hairline because clothes and beauty and appearance, it's you know, you can make yourself look younger or healthier, more more in, in control of a situation. And certainly in fashion, that's, that's what we see when we look at somebody, you know, choosing to wear a really bright colour. Um, I think in America, they're doing it incredibly well. But it's interesting, isn't
2: it, that Trump is mocked for his appearance. Mm. He is mocked for the hair and the comb over. Um, and he's mocked for caring too much in the tan and actually I think if you leveled that amount of mockery, say had Hillary Clinton won um, at her appearance which can be a little bit Merkel and May-esque in its kind of boxy suits and it's not, she doesn't have the most feminine look uh, you could perhaps argue then you'd be in trouble and equally if we think back you know, particularly, I'm just thinking about French presidents, Sarkozy's you know, Cuban heels, this idea that Macron is a tiny man and is likened to Napoleon. Um, that's a common theme actually in some commentary of European leaders. Donald Tusk very small. John uh, Claude Juncker uh, appearance of being dishevelled does stand against them as well. Then you look at somebody like Sabine Weyand, who is very uh, 1950s in her approach. She's got really characterful glasses and her dress and her hair is quite alternative. And so then there's intrigue around her and there was a suggestion because of the way she dressed, Geoffrey Cox, the Attorney General, apparently went over to a meeting and called her, my dear, and she was trying to project this image of a very independently minded woman who certainly wasn't going to be patronised by any man, let alone a British politician. So was she using her fashion sense as sending out a signal as to what she was actually open to in terms of a negotiation i mean that 's an interesting dynamic
0: I think it can massively send all the all of those signifiers out into into the other and I think in america they 're doing it i mean sometimes very openly like when all, you had all the um democratic the female democratic members of Congress mm, wearing white, white to trump 's State of the Union address. And, I mean, that's a very obvious message. They're wearing suffragist white. You've got Nancy Pelosi sitting behind Trump in white, making sort of faces. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a really obvious message, but sometimes it's, it's subtler than that. And sometimes it is, like Nancy Pelosi does this incredibly well, she'll wear a fuchsia Dress. actually she wore a, f- a fuchsia dress when she was sworn in and in a lot of the official pictures of her she's in bright pink or bright red just flanked by men in suits mm. she, stands she stands out, out. she yes. stands out and actually I think the oddness comes in when people who know nothing about her politics and perhaps don't have an interest in them then then are like ooh a style icon and Nancy Pelosi when she wore that you know, burnt orange coat um I think it was back in December, and she had been at the White House discussing funding for Trump's wall and refusing to come to an agreement. And she she came out uh, wearing this Max Mara coat and these sunglasses, and it went viral on Instagram. And lots of people who didn't know who Nancy Pelosi was and weren't American and and perhaps didn't know anything about what was going on in terms of politics just thought she looked fabulous. And Max Mara have reissued the coat, uh, which was five years old. Because it became a fashion moment, and so there is a, there's a bizarreness there when the when the headlines are completely about the fashion and mm, not when at all no about context. But then, surely that just is giving her more airtime. Depends whether you think all oh, publicity is good publicity. We have
2: this when we cover the royals; they're there to deliver an important message, for instance, about cyber bullying, mm. and all we're talking about is the colour of the shade of nude of Kate's high heels, and is that a problem? Having said that, you know, in the political arena, um, the women there, um, they they do mark themselves out from the rest because you will get a phalanx of suits, and then you'll have Theresa May. There's been some quite interesting and iconic photography taken of her negotiations in Brussels, simply because she stands out because she's the only woman there. She's often the only person in colour in a sea of dark grey suits, which is significant. I suppose it's when you're talking more about the fashion than the the message that's being delivered that is problematic. But haven't female politicians historically always been conscious of their dress? And, and it's not just, well, do we find them stylish? Are How presentable are they? You look back to Thatcher, what some of the most interesting aspects of the Charles Moore's biography of Thatcher, from my mind, was her letters to her sister discussing at every moment whether she'd bought a new hat, how she was going to wear her hair, what dress she was going to choose for a partic- particular speech. It was immensely important to Thatcher how she presented herself. We should be worried, surely, if women and men in politics aren't presentable. I think I, mean, I don't know how would we treat politicians, be they male or female, who just turned up looking dishevelled and like they didn't really care.
1: Exactly, I think you know you want your political leaders to look like they've put some effort in, and to you know look groomed and um, and I th- you know there, there's lo- loads of studies to say that you know people that look polished and groomed inspire a little bit more trust from all of us. So I think I think you do look to them to you know, look incredibly crisp and and the Americans do actually tend to do that slightly well, slightly better than the Brits. Exactly. I mean, as
0: you say, I think the Brits are, are lagging behind. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, when he wore that sports jacket on Remembrance Day and people were so angry to an extent, you can see both sides because it shouldn't really matter what he's wearing. But then it's a day where you want to show respect and is a kind of scruffy sports jacket showing respect. You know, I think Theresa May was wearing a hat. She was kind of done up as, as you would dress for a funeral. And then you've got Jeremy Corbyn looking like he's just, you know, nipping to the shops or... I mean, sports
2: jackets at the cenotaph are just an absolute no no aren 't they? It would be like turn of anybody turning up in cut offs and a t shirt it's just not to be done, particularly just generationally there's an there's a way of dressing. It's a uniform. It's an event with uniformed ex-military personnel, um, and and Corbyn didn't get it get it right on that occasion. Um, you get the sense actually that <laughs> Corbyn isn't a man who has particularly changed in his fashion sense mm. since perhaps his early seventies socialist heyday. Um, and as you say, um, Fran, that's the the element of why he's supported because there's the balance to be struck, isn't there, between caring enough and not caring too Too much much. we Mm. see politicians who have cared too much about appearance and they're seen frankly you know silvio Berlusconi and people having hair transplants and permatans and stuff it's seen as far too narcissistic
1: Mm.
0: but how do you strike that balance because i think for women especially there's always going to be the problem of of being written about in that reductive way and being reduced to your clothes but as you say you can't just go out looking like you've rolled out of bed
2: But there's a Britishness about appearance in comparison to, say, America. Mm. And just, again, with a kind of royal hat on, work that I do for British TV versus the American TV approach, the American TV approach is just... All you throw the entire kitchen sinker appearance, your hair is blow dried to within an inch of its life. You know, people are suggested, <laughs> it's suggested you should get your teeth changed. You know, I've done royal weddings for NBC where I've had my entire wardrobe completely eviscerated and new clothes brought in. And my perspective has always been, well, if you make me look nicer on telly, I'm happy. Um, in America, image is everything. And in Britain, it's not quite the same. Yes, there is a presentation and and there has to be a personability and a a way of presenting oneself if you're in the top job. And I think we all appreciate that. But there's more of a sense that perhaps we aren't quite as shallow as our transatlantic neighbours. And that actually, when we've seen women, they haven't tended to dress like men. That's unfair. But if you see some of our political women, they're feminising slightly more latterly. And you have the likes of Liz Truss, for instance, who will always go out and wear a lovely frock. Or Esther McFay dresses, you know, in quite a feminine manner for a politician. Another politician I can think of, Kelly Tolhurst, who wears really quite close-fitting dresses and always looks very elegant. But yet the fact we're talking about them
0: suggests that that's a rarity. Frankie, Theresa May, during the kind of most recent Brexit... Talks and failures uh, was seem to be wearing increasingly larger necklaces
1: day, <laughs> yes. day by day. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, there's a there's a sort of school of thought that the bigger the disaster, the bigger the necklace. For Theresa May, I mean, she's always been a fan of big accessories um when she uh, walked into Downing street she did so in a, an amanda wakeley huge chain necklace but we've sort of seen this as a as a as a constant um throughout especially recent appearances her she favors a, an italian um jeweler called Mirta Frosini who pruli is actually also a fan of you can see the you can see that you can see the resemblance the uh, the resemblance there. may bake off crossover yeah. <laughs> but you know it's it's a ba- it's battle dress, isn't it? And I think um, it's you know Theresa May. She's she is said on on a couple of occasions that you can be smart and you can also enjoy fashion she hasn't hidden the fact that she enjoys fashion and she enjoys dressing up Um, and clearly she uses what she wears be that giant necklaces be that kitten heels be that leather trousers as her her battle dress she's walking into an arena to get a job done essentially she's dressing for the job
2: I was going to say on the leather trousers, though, again, politically, you've got to be so careful. She was there trying to give an interview talking about a social justice agenda Mm. and how conservatives politics moving forward should be about the many and not the few as Corbyn would describe it and then she's pictured in leather trousers costing what was it four five hundred quid completely more I think think it was in the thousands Uh, was it okay so frankly totally (laughs) inaccessible Mm. to 99.9% of the female population of Britain and looking at that you'd think well I'm sorry just no one in their right mind would dream of buying such trousers and then there's this sense that there's, she's completely out of touch. I'm thinking about the battle dress wear as well and the necklaces. What about her cornflower blue coat, which yeah. we have seen had many... Her duvet
1: coat. Her duvet <laughs> coat.
2: Now, every time... God love Theresa May. She stepped out of um, Downing Street and uh, the picture desk often sends the news lobby the first photograph of the day. You would inwardly groan on day five where she's still wearing the cornflower coat. Now, I don't know if that's a reflection of, you know, too much repetitive dressing in the public eye is is not a good thing. Or the fact that the coat seemed to symbolise the the failing negotiations with Brussels. Oh no, she's not in the unlucky coat again. I mean, is that just (laughs) preposterous? But it was well commented
0: on not just by me but others in the media it is harder for women as well there is this expectation that you'll wear a different look each day and if you've got a lot on your mind you might just chuck on the same coat in the morning and theresa may those trousers you know 1100 pounds or something i think they were david cameron's suits which are savile row suits would cost three times that but because it's a plain
2: suit that's a good point. It's easy to disguise, to like that. Although, we, how many suits did we think
0: David Cameron had? I think he had a fair few suits. <laughs> what, more than six? I mean, I have no idea, but I would imagine yes, because Sam is so stylish and fashion-minded.
2: But that's the interesting thing as well. There was so much focus on Sam, as there was with Miss, Michelle Obama. Um, you know, didn't Michelle Obama kind of double J. Cruz sales mm. because she was wearing mm. all those jumpers and things? This sense of on one hand, it being okay to scrutinise the dress of the wife of a politician, but not perhaps the female politician themselves. And is that double standards? You know, it's almost it reinforces the idea of it being a bit demeaning, doesn't it? When we are constantly analysing Samantha Samantha Cameron's dress, simply because she's just the wife, and she's there like to add some
0: colour to the husband. But then I think I've interviewed her a couple of times because she works in the in the fashion sphere. Yeah. And so then for me, it's fair game. <laughs> because yes, Because, you know, job. she's worked for Smythes and she's mm. worked with fashion brands over the years. She has her own fashion brand now. It's it's what she does. And Isabel Spearman, who's one of our columnists, who was Sam's special advisor at, at number 10 and didn't really cross over with David, but, had, you know, said occasionally she'd be drafted in to help with something – You know, I think fashion was a big part of Samantha's job as the wife of the prime minister, but also his job. I just think it is easier for men because there's less scope to get it wrong. Did you get the impression that
2: Sam Cameron styled David Cameron? No.
0: No, Mm. I didn't.
1: Well, they must have had a few conversations in the morning.
0: I think she said that the um, the holiday pictures were fraught, you know, when because it would be the first day of their family holiday and they agree, they'd agree to take those pictures um, so that the press would then leave them ar- alone for the rest of the holiday. So it'd be them kind of fresh off the plane, yes. sat in a weird fish restaurant, like, pointing... <laughs> <laughs>
2: Increased (laughs) linen (laughs) with children screaming
0: in the background and sounds
2: really relaxing. Sounds
0: horrendous. (laughs) Apparently, those choosing the outfits for those were odd because you're not in the work context and you're not outside number 10 where you know kind of there's a set look. Trying off duty politician is a really bizarre, really bizarre thing. As Theresa May found
1: when she went on holiday and yes, in her checked, in her checked. Shirt which I and think she wore that twinned short with dress, her dress, didn't husband. she, Frankie? That sort of
0: I think MS or something. I don't know. Holiday Theresa May is
1: well, a she got she thing. got um a couple of years ago. She was wearing she was on a walking holiday with her husband and got and they both were wearing plaid shirts and some sort of chino. Was
0: this when they wore matching swatch watches? Yes,
1: and they were matching, mm. and the, and <laughs> people were very quick to comment that she wore the same thing. Sort of for several days running on holiday and I just thought give the woman a break in that instance give the woman a break who doesn't go on holiday and wear the same shorts and t-shirt day in day out because they're on holiday and they don't need to think about what they're wearing and this is like a brief reprise from the whole scenario and I, yeah I did think that was a little bit although uncalled for. his and hers
2: I mean, I'm not endorsing that. I mean, the mind does boggle. That's
0: slightly tragic. I do feel like Mr May might just wear what he's told.
2: But then sometimes seeing anybody out of context, if we bumped into our own boss down at the car boot sale sale, in a a stained T-shirt, you know, that's wrong. We sometimes see this with other uh, politicians when they kind of go into sporty mode and do a job in a tracksuit or, you know, they, they start taking part in a pancake race and it's just all visually a bit odd. So dress-wise, you have to adapt to that. But are we really saying that we don't really want to see our politicians, male or female, outside
0: of what I would describe as business attire? I agree with your point because I remember actually coming in here for uh, the royal wedding last year, the first one, um, Meghan and Harry, and it was on a Saturday. So it was a very different feeling in the office to kind of your Monday to Friday. And... It was, it was really fun and someone was ringing a bell every time we a new person was out and there was a new picture coming through and one of the very senior male editors wore sandals. Oh. <laughs> and awkward. Is that, the, is there's a time and a place for
2: sandals but surely it isn't when but a it royal was, wedding's taking place. It was
0: May and it was like, <laughs> like scorching outside and actually a lot of the women were in sundresses and sandals and it's a Saturday. It's it, but it is that thing of, I've never
1: seen you in sandals before. There is something about a male naked foot. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need to be there? seeing. I don't no. know if I
2: want to see uh, any male politician's
1: feet at all. No. <laughs> it, there is something that just makes you think, uh, you know, a hairy ankle and a bare foot. It, it feels too intimate almost.
2: Far too intimate. Maybe
1: we're just not used to seeing... I mean, maybe this is why Jamie Corbyn wears his socks and sandals in a very normcore fashion so that he can shield his... I
2: certainly don't, at this point in my life, want to see Jeremy Corbyn's naked feet, even if it is Glastonbury. I'm sorry, but I do draw the line there. Funnily enough, my old editor used to have a little catchphrase. He used to say in conference, reporters who wear ties get stories. And I used to say, what, even the women? He said, especially the women. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that wasn't a bad thought. You know, actually, presentationally, journalistically as well, you can't turn up looking bad at places in fact I think I only got the royal beat back in the day because the same editor said Camilla you're called Camilla and you dress quite nicely maybe you should cover the royals I thought well yeah why not what other qualifications do you need but again (laughs) I remember being at the palace and someone was admonished for wearing white jeans white jeans at the palace
1: palace.
2: Um, and in a way you can understand that i mean any denim at the palace isn't done but it was a reporter who was wearing white jeans because i think she was going on to something else and the press secretary at the time just had had a little word that's how that's how stringent these rules are so what is your
0: uniform camilla then when you're on that beat
2: my uniform for doing royal events, so say when the baby is born and we have to head down to Long Walk, because I know I'm doing broadcasting, my uniform will be a block colour dress of some description. I do wear heels, which is so silly, really. Um, I wear these patent heels, which are from m and I'm showing the girls Ooh, now, she's got, everyone. Taking the shoe off. They are very, very comfy and I can't really do flats Obviously, you see people who are broadcasting all day in flats because it's more comfortable, but I can't wear a dress with flats. I'm not tall enough. So that's what I'll wear. And obviously, I'm looking at some magazines and stuff we have here of, like, Koonsberg's Coat. Depending on whether for broadcasting, the coat is key. And the coat usually needs to be a good colour and it needs to be fairly stringent and, um, and it needs to, to just look good on camera. Not too much fuss. What's interesting about the Theresa May jewellery is your advice for telly not to wear too much jewellery because it's just a massive distraction and also it kind of can like um, flash back in the cameras, it can blind people at home. So, um, colour block dress is my go to.
1: What I found really interesting... When, so I wrote a piece for Stella, The Unexpected Style Heroes of Brexit, um, which looked a lot at, um, well, politicians, Theresa May, Andrew Lebson, but predominantly um, female news reporters and some of the male news reporters as well, actually. But what I found so interesting was, you know, where we sort of look at um, what everybody's wearing and read into it for, you know, oh blue means, you know, disaster and purple means trouble at base and and... And I was reading a, an interview with Emily Maitlis and she said sometimes it just comes down to practicalities. If it's dark outside, I have to put a white coat on so that I stand out against a white backdrop. And I thought that's so interesting that actually, you know, when it comes to presenting yourself on TV, I mean, gosh, as, as you well know, sometimes it is just, right, what is going to make me stand out and look great on TV? Comfort. When we did... Um
2: Uh, Harry and Meghan's engagement it was so cold outside Kensington Palace we were literally considering getting newspaper and like putting it around our feet it was horrendous and so then you're trying to look presentable it's quite hard to look presentable when you're freezing and you're loading underneath your nice attractive bright pink coat about 15 layers from Uniqlo because you're so freezing. So again, that's a practical thing. And yeah, I've been with Mateless and Kirsty Walk and others at the College Green talking about Brexit late at night on Newsnight. And oh my goodness, again, the conditions are absolutely appalling. Not to mention the fact that you've got a load of Remainers screaming as you're in your
0: ear as you're doing it. So presentation for women outside, I think, is often tricky. I think it's difficult to know when to read into an outfit though because when you've got, say, the Royals do diplomatic dressing so well and usually if you know the Duchess of Cambridge is wearing a certain colour on a tour of a country it's 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 always kind of political and she's thought it through and it's a nod to her host country or she's wearing a designer from that country or you know that they think things through so minutely at the palace that actually when you see I remember Samantha Cameron actually telling me once that um I think it was when David announced he w- he was stepping down and she wore this dress to to leave number 10 and it was printed and I think people were saying it's the you know the colors of the EU flag and she's making this statement and she was like it was clean it was in the wardrobe <laughs> I'd had 3 hours sleep I didn't feel my best and I just wanted something that like you know the the dress the other dress that was an option I think was white or something and she was like I just didn't feel I remember that dress because I was on morning. in Downing Street that morning and she looked great in that dress. She looked Lots great. was
2: read into it. There was also, uh, didn't the Queen once wear a hat in the aftermath of the referendum result, which was like blue with some yellow flowers yes. and everyone took that to be a symbol of the
0: European flag. But again, no. Because I think there were, there was, people were even counting the number of flowers because I think there, there were enough to match Yes, Exactly. Although the
2: idea that... Angela Kelly, who's the Queen's tree dresser, would make a political statement via the medium of Her Majesty's hat. It's preposterous.
0: I don't, I don't know where the Theresa May kind of falls down. Then is is possibly not getting enough help for me because I think there is still an expectation that a politician in her position shouldn't be bothering her, herself with you know having a dresser, having somebody to pick out her outfits. And I think it does her a disservice personally because I think people do focus on the leopard print shoes and they do focus on the big necklaces. And sometimes perhaps she wants us to and that is a distraction technique and she doesn't want us to notice that she's just saying the same thing again for the 174th time. But I think she's not doing herself any favours to not have help because actually big politicians understand the, the power of that. And I think... As you say, America's a very different market, but someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez understands so well how important it is to... You know, she wore her hoop earrings and her red lipstick to be sworn in. And that was um, that was a nod to Sonia Sotomayor, who is the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, who was told not to wear red nail polish for her confirmation hearings, which was her, you know, go-to. And she was told not to wear it because it would distract and I think it's really important that, that women like Ocasio-Cortez are making it okay to wear red lipstick and to have painted nails and to show an interest in fashion that isn't just, well, I have to wear clothes, so I'll just throw them on in the morning. Mm. I th- and I think there's a balance. I mean, I personally wouldn't think any less of Theresa May if she used a personal stylist. I would just think she's in the
1: public eye. She's busy. She why shouldn't needs someone, she, yeah she why needs shouldn't someone she to decide support? what to what to wear I mean it doesn't make sense. I think you know you you mentioned AOC um and she's she's a great um example of clothes being used you know I feel like they don't distract from her they they just sort of bolster what she's doing and she's actually um there's a sort of bit of a movement at the moment with power pink which she um, uses very well. And Nancy Pelosi also does. As we've mentioned, she got sworn in in her her hot pink dress. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wore a bright pink trouser suit a couple of weeks ago on Capitol Hill. And I think what's interesting there, and actually we have also seen British politicians do it, Andrea Lebsom does it. Um, She's got a a bright pink biker jacket that she wears into um, the House of Commons. And I think what's interesting with that is that um, that's such a, a female well, it's such, it's a, such a nuanced f- colour it's such a feminine colour and it's it's typically you know been thought of as very soft and very sugary and with these incredibly powerful women placing that colour in a seat of power suddenly it switches the, the conversation and the colour is imbued with a whole new point of view um, and I think that's incredibly clever it's a way of sort of You know, these women saying, look, I don't have to dress like a guy. I don't have to wear colours and shapes that are traditionally masculine. I can be feminine. I can enjoy my clothes. And this can still be seen as incredibly powerful. And I think that is a very interesting conversation. It's not frivolous. It can also be an incredibly powerful thing. Pink, I think, is such a... It sounds
0: silly, I suppose, to people who don't think about fashion as much as I do and, Frankie, you do, in our jobs. But it's such... It's such a bold statement to wear pink. And I think it's used in so many different ways. And, and soft power, I think, especially with First Ladies, especially with, you know, Melania Trump, if, if Donald has just said something really unpalatable and awful she'll step out in, you know, lemon or pale pink and she will be the smiling face. And in North Korea, the newsreader who they wheel out to make all the announcement that they're going to, you know, drop another nuclear bomb test is a grandmother who they call the Pink Lady and she always wears pink and she's grinning from ear to ear as she she tells the, the nation that, you know, they're going to do more nuclear testing. And people use... Pink and those traditionally kind of super feminine colours as a way to sweeten the pill, I suppose, in politics. So it is interesting to see women reclaiming it. Mm. Camilla, what do you think? Well, I can't believe
2: I'm saying this because I don't know anything about fashion at all, but can I just describe coral as the thinking woman's pink? Now, Please do. Um, if I can say that, because I notice a lot of coral in Parliament. Um, I'm looking at a picture now of Theresa May wearing a coral-coloured coat. Leadsom, who we've mentioned, does like pink, but she's also a massive coral fan. I know coonsberg has got a bright coral um, jacket that I've seen her in on many occasions. And um, is coral a way, actually, of women feminising without being too closely associated with a colour like fuchsia, which some do find just a bit too saccharine for political life. I agree with you that, of course, you can make the statement with bright pink, but You don't tend to see it that much. Um, You don't even see it that much on the royal beat. It's like it's perhaps not quite dynamic enough. And the upsurgence of coral, if I'm right, Frankie, I could be wrong. (laughs) I I feel coral is a new thing. It's a fairly new thing in the last five or so years where people are wearing it a bit more rapidly. It's those sorts of colours that we're seeing more and more. Typically, you don't actually see that many politicians, if I would say as well, in pastels. You mentioned the Korean lady, Or maybe Melania like calming everything down with pastels. But um, lately, we've seen a resurgence as well. And weirdly, on the Tory benches of red, Um, Liz Truss has got this bright red dress that I think she wore on on budget day, and she's Chief Secretary to the Treasury. And I think it was commented on at the time, or she wants to be seen on the front bench. What's going to be interesting as we move forward with Um, inevitable leadership contest is what the women in the running start wearing in order to be noticed Um, and again does that sound patronizing that women might dress to be noticed well yeah if you're fighting to be the next leader of the Tory party I'd suggest that your dress and how you're perceived in the morning when you if you're in cabinet turn up at Downing Street for a meeting and who might garner more headlines than others simply because photographically they look more appealing that's going to be quite interesting, you know, Truss, ledsam Penny Morden, another very attractive woman who dresses impeccably. How are they going to be competing in the style stakes as we move forward into what inevitably might be a contest involving several very high profile Tory women?
0: Well, it's naive to think that a newspaper editor isn't going to look at all the possible pictures to put on their front page and see, you know, sea of black suits, sea of black suits, pink or coral, thinking woman's pink <laughs> and think oh yeah that one because actually on a newsstand you have to stand out yeah. you want people to pick up your paper it's as simple as that sometimes that you know it can make that impact and yes the first thought might be oh she's wearing coral but that's not your second or third thought no so what are you expecting from the the leadership battle
2: well, what's interesting as well is, say from Penny Mordaunt's perspective, I think the last thing she wants is images of her wearing the swimming suit in Splash, being presented alongside serious points she's trying to make about the future of conservatism. Um, and in a way, as a woman reporting on such matters, I think I'd probably find that a bit offensive. We can't have a situation where women are purely seen as sort of, you know, grotesque sex objects. Penny Mordaunt as is the case to be fair with Andrea and Liz and a lot of women in politics, is a very attractive woman. Um, (laughs) But that doesn't mean she needs to be objectified. And I also think it's difficult for women who, this is the other conundrum, isn't it? Women who are attractive in politics, do they find it more difficult to be taken seriously than women who aren't? perhaps as photogenic and often we have grown used to women that perhaps appear quite masculine in politics and at the same time we've talked about some women today Cortez and others particularly the younger generation who do want to be wearing the red lipstick and stuff and we need to get the balance right between celebrating that femininity but also not thinking that it somehow detracts from the message they're trying to deliver the leadership contest quite rightly be it women talking about the future of our education system or immigration or what have you deserve to be taken absolutely as seriously as if it's the likes of Hunt,
0: Gove, Boris and Javid making equally important points right. So Frankie do you think it's is this refreshing that we're seeing women kind of embracing fashion and colour and being able to be a bit braver with their clothes in the political
1: sphere? I think it's really refreshing. I think to think that a woman who is interested in her appearance and is interested in fashion, to think that that somehow diminishes her power, her authority, her intelligence, um, I think we really need to get away from that. I think that's a really damaging trope. So to have this group of women who are outwardly very celebratory of what they're wearing I think that's incredibly refreshing I think it's very powerful um, and I think that's very inspiring for generations of women behind them
0: that's all we've got time for Camilla Frankie thank you so much for joining me and Camilla I look forward to seeing you wearing some how coral No, no, i will near future thinking i can't believe i've said that (laughs) thinking women's pink what's wrong with me
2: you see this is why i do not cover fashion you do you're on the fashion podcast (laughs) okay well probably never again so i apologize to listeners but there you have it that's my view on
0: coral i'll be back in two weeks potentially with a royal special but i'm keeping my options open because megan is keeping me in the dark about when she's having her baby selfish Join the conversation at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk or find me on Instagram and Twitter at Charlie Gowans. Meet me in person at Stella Live on the 10th and 11th of May. I might even give you an autograph. It's in London and you can buy tickets at stellalive.co.uk. Finally, leave a review on iTunes. I may even read out my favourite on next week's episode, so keep them clean, please. Thanks for listening.